0: Welcome to The Climb! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. Leverage is what you're going to need in the new music business. It's going to take a track record. It's going to take some actual cash flow. It's going to take some cuts. It's going to take some hits before you're going to turn some heads and people are going to come out of the woodwork to try to help you Before you're gonna get the record deal, before you're gonna get the publishing deal, before you're gonna get the management contract, before you're gonna get the booking agency to care, you're gonna already have to be doing business. That's what we're here to help you with. It's why we called it The Climb, C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. Brilliant! And My good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter, who's a lyricist, is the one that came up with that. That's a Baxter name of epic proportions. Brent's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And he also helps songwriters like you... Turn pro by revealing how you write like a pro, do business like a pro. And not only that, he actually connects you to the pros on a regular. And you can find Brent at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host,
1: Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. Daredevil has created over 25 national TV opportunities for their indie artists by making them discoverable. They've also created multiple tour opportunities and through the power of digital marketing data. Yeah, those are big words, but they're fancy, but they mean a lot. They've attracted a number of investors for their artists. Investors are the money people, and the money people like the numbers because the numbers don't lie because the numbers can't talk. You can find Johnny at daredevilproduction.com. That's production, singular, no S. There is no S because there is no other... Johnny D, what's up, brother? How you doing? Man, I'm doing well. My AC's working today. I'm a little chilly in my office, which is rare. So I'm just like, should I keep it
0: going? I think I'm just going to enjoy this <laughs> little chilliness I'm a slippery. Nice, nice. Yeah. So today, I got a question for you, Brent. Mm-hmm. Is the new music business really new? Well, Johnny, like that's the a same lot of as questions. the old business.
1: We, like, what, what is it? The king is dead. Long live the king. Yeah. <laughs> right, like, meet the new boss. same meet the old boss. boss. Yeah, that's what I was trying to think of, yeah. <laughs> I'd say yes and no, but for a long answer, we'll probably have to dive into the whole episode.
0: Yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about today. We have just formal announcement here, if you haven't figured this out already, last Friday. The social media challenge thing, actually getting really good listens. The, the, the consumption wasn't any different, but just didn't get any more emails. And, and honestly, I couldn't keep those episodes to less than 15 minutes. So <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do, and I don't have the time to have two like shows with this much content on it. Like I just don't have the time. So Chelsea Stallings is a climber, been a long time climber, and the organizer of the first climb conference, one of them yep. and one of them, yeah. Lake City is now coming to work for Daredevil. She's been working for us for a couple of weeks. She's doing the big hermitage, moving the family, the kids, and the horses from yeah. Salt Lake City to Nashville. And we're excited to have her on board. And right off the bat, she comes in swinging a big sword with a brand new idea. Like, oh, my God. She's like, what are we going to do with Friday? I'm like, I have no idea. Like, <laughs> my arm and alligators. I got so much going on. And I'm just like, I did not know. Like, we got Allura coming out with dropping a new single. Jacob Cade's out right now with his new single. It's, it, all the machines are in full force. We just got the Nash villains on board. Like, we're busy. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't have the time. She's like, what if we did this pick your brain thing? What if you just asked everybody questions, had them email us in or post on social media, and then you could pick one or two or three questions and keep it under 15 minutes. And, and then we're, you know, shout them out. And we're answering what they want to know. I'm like, well, that's, that's just brilliant. <laughs> like, <let's do> that. <laughs> so that's what this episode is about. Kind of it's, there's one episode from a particular climber that this is going to take a lot longer. I knew than 15 minutes just for the one question. And I want to tap into that. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Is the new music business the same? Before we do that, though, but, well, actually, you know what? Let's let's I want to read that email real quick, just to prime everybody before we get sure. into the part of it. So here's this is from Ryan Boyce. Ryan Boyce, just FYI, climber for a while. He is a, a like a really killer artist. I I have done a consultation with him before. He sent me his music. He's a type A personality and an admitted skeptic about everything, I think, mm-hmm. on the planet, okay? And he'll tell you that, like, with a, straight up. But this, this dude's got it all together, and I really have a lot of respect for this guy. And I just felt like this email probably speaks volumes to what a lot of people are thinking. So here's the email. I'm going to read it to you, and then we'll take care of some business and get into the episode. So email. Okay, with all the middlemen, and this is in quotation marks, guys. Middlemen, promo gurus, marketing extraordinaire, and social experts— end quote, having inserted themselves into the mix, charging either cheap rates for BS services or completely inflated rates for outstanding services that still can't be guaranteed in terms of tangible return, how the hell is an artist expected to believe that, again, quotes, the new indie music business is new, innovative, or any different from the status quo that music business has always been? It's still all at the expense and risk of the artist, right? It's still about profitability, right? I don't believe for a second that the artist's side of all this will ever be in a position of power or leverage in terms of the business. Change my mind because there's probably a lot that I'm missing. Also, I'm bitter and ornery. Get off my lawn. I love you guys. Cheers, Ryan Boyce. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I, I think he's thinking what a lot of people are thinking. I mean, there's frustration in there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we're going to dive into that, but- Before we do, let's take care of a little business. As always, the Climb podcast is proud to partner with Disc Makers. And it's a digital world out there, But with streaming and everything like that, but it's still really, really important. There's still a really important role for physical media for today's independent musician. I swear by this, it's merch. The digital royalty payments are so small that selling products like a CD, vinyl, T-shirts, hats, uh, those funky USB, custom USBs that they have. This has become a super important income generator. Straight up is going to get you from one town to the other. Right, Brent? Mm-hmm. That's right. And for
1: like every CD that you sell at a gig, you can get your little table and get your CDs, buy my CD. Somebody buys a CD. To equal that, you need about oh, 3,000 streams to yeah. make the same amount of money. That's, yeah. that's a lot of streams. And so, our friends at Disc Makers, however, they are the place to go for your discs, other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. So instead of like, yeah, go for those three thousand streams. Disc Makers, though, can hook you up for that CD that you just need to sell one of, right, to make the same amount of money.
0: To mm-hmm.
1: growing. Go there, and they can hook you up with the physical stuff, the CDs, the vinyl, USB drives, all that stuff. You can find them at www.discmakers.discmakers.com, or you can give them a call at 800-468-9353. That's
0: 800-468-9353. Awesome. If you haven't done so already, join the Climb community. This is not your average Facebook community, not your average Facebook group. There's actually stuff being posted every single day. Uh, and there's, there's questions, answers, people communicating, going back and forth. I feel guilty. I haven't been there in like probably a week and a half cause I've been so buried. So I know I'm missing a lot of stuff, but just go to the community, ask to be let in. We let everybody in and then just be good boys and girls and promise you it's going to be, it's going to be the juice is going to be worth the squeeze. Subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you get all the episodes in wherever you consume your podcasts and they come in order and you can get to them at your own pace. Please take a couple seconds and leave a five-star rating and review in the best possible way that you could honor Brent and I for all the work that we do to help you guys out is to straight up, tell somebody about it. If, if, if there's an episode here that really rung a bell, that really struck a chord, that got you thinking, that changed, maybe enlightened you, share that with somebody else. Put it on your social media. Tell somebody about it. Let them know it's legit. And that's how we continue to grow our followers and, and how we continue to, to spread the love here and spread the gospel, right?
1: Yep. And while you're talking about the climate community, I thought, oh, let me just hop over there on my phone here while you're talking just because you bore me. No, just kidding. Just because I want to... <laughs> Relevant. And it's like, okay, what's going on over in the climbing community? So, you got some post, you know, helpful posts from Johnny and from Brent, some little motivational stuff, something, the bird and the bee that you thought was really awesome that you shared.
0: Dude, they, that, that group is like, I don't know, some kind Girl. of jazz group, like with a keyboard guy and this like really killer, like soul singer. And they mm-hmm. covered Ain't Talking About Love by Van Halen with Dave Grohl on the drums. Like, that's worth the price of admission. Right there.
1: So, cool. That's <laughs> some inspiration for your day. Yeah. Got a new wordplay Thursday. We're, recording this on a Thursday. That's from yours truly. So a little you know, creative Kickstarter shared there. And then, oh, here we go here. Jeff Parmley sharing a post for Musicians Unite. Like, don't just be a rock musician. Don't just be a blues musician. Don't just be a metal musician, etc. Be a musician. You can learn something from all styles and genres. So a little helpful tidbit, a little bit of inspiration coming from a climber. And there's another one from Jeff that's helpful. And so we got to hear some from Gavin Clark that's funny about anatomy of songs, a little kind of infographic thing we got something from our buddy wade sutton so this is not spammy stuff you notice i didn't say anyone's like check it out my song right yeah yeah you're not going to we just know it's not going to happen it's people sharing stuff that's interesting it's relevant to musicians and inspiring and that kind of stuff it's legit yes so that's just a quick little survey of what's
0: there right now I like that. We should probably do that every time. Like, that's, that's okay. killer. what's going on there today. Mm-hmm. Hey, Shout what's out. really happening? Exactly. So, let's get to Ryan Boyce here. So, yes. he, we're so he going to get about, on your lawn, Ryan.
1: I am standing on your lawn. Tonight.
0: That's right. He's talking about middlemen, promo gurus, the marketing people, the social experts. So, some of them are, if they're charging real low money, it's, it it's not going to less. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to help you. Yeah. And the ones that are charging real money are, are going to give you outstanding services, but you're right. It, it can't be guaranteed. Still no guarantees, right so I want to talk, I want to start off by talking just to get everybody again, thinking about reminding you what you're selling. Okay. It's art. Mm -hmm. Art has no tangible fundamental deep rooted value Mm -hmm. in any society. It's until it's created, right? Right. It's not, it's not like a hammer. If you need a hammer, and somebody needs it right away. Are you, before you pound that nail on the wall to hang the picture, are you studying and judging the who made the hammer? No, I just need a damn hammer. Give me the thing. I'm gonna pound it, right? It doesn't matter. So, or an umbrella, right? When it's raining outside, you don't have an umbrella, you'll pay 10 bucks, in New York to get a freaking umbrella. You don't care what the brand name is. It's got deep-rooted value. How a cardboard box, right? You know exactly what a cardboard box is, what it does, and what it means to you, just like every other person on the planet. At that specific moment of your life, nine times out of 10, it's trash. It's a pain in your butt. Mm -hmm. But a week before you got to move, you're like, "How how much for that box, right? Exactly. Yeah, you're throwing them
1: out all year long. Yeah. Diaper boxes, all that stuff. You're about to move all of a sudden. You're hoarding them like
0: a cat lady hoards cats. I, so there's a value. You understand what it is, but nobody understands the value of your song until enough people understand the value of your song. Mm-hmm. So it's not about how good it is. It's about how many people think it's good. And that's why we have artists that you think that you look down your nose at who are mm-hmm. making multi-millions of dollars because there's a whole lot of people that like it. And you like, that's the most trite, crappiest stuff I've ever heard and I'm much more sophisticated in that how is it that they're making more money than me because they just have a bigger audience but to make that happen it's not like the lemonade stand I'm actually going to use Ryan Boyce as an example here so Ryan Boyce definite type A personality which Mm -hmm. I don't like those people at all right oh no you can't really (laughs) they're not from my mothership at all I love Ryan for that reason and Ryan has his own business it's a hauling company he owns like a trucking company and they truck oil. Mm-hmm. And so he's in North Dakota, I think, or South Dakota, one of the Dakotas where, uh, and he's, he's, I think it's crude oil or something. He's taking it right out of the, when they pull it out of the ground, he's hauling it from one place to another, maybe the refinery or something, I don't know. But in that instance, you could start a bit, you've got the oil, it's there. There's a service that needs to be done. I need somebody to get this from point A to point B and they got to have to do it. And a guy that knows how to drive the truck and, and somebody that comes in with a CDL, right. And, yeah. and the ability to get a hold of a truck can make money starting today. Right, yeah. I'm going to do that, and then if you got a modicum of, of business smarts, which I assure you from my conversations with Ryan Boyce, he has. Okay, <laughs> then you're like, okay, so right up first day, I'm driving this truck from here to here, I'm making money, I'm able to charge enough money because this company providing a service that they need, they have a cash flow and they're able to pay me, and then I, if I can do it with one truck, I can do it with two. Right, and if I can do with two, I can do it with four. If I can do with four, I can do with sixteen. Right, and then it's only up to your ability. And your vision of how much you want to grow it to to make it happen. But art is not, it just doesn't work like that. You have to to think about it a different way. You have to think, you have to approach it like you would a tech company with a brand new technology. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to have the most amazing technology on the planet that are going to blow people's minds. It's a completely other issue to get anybody to care about it. Right right? Take TiVo, for instance, which changed the world. Here's a, this is the weirdest story. Changed the world with their technology. They were the first ones to come out with this, with the technology that allowed you to pause live live TV. And it it would keep the data going and allow you and and suggest different shows that maybe you weren't aware of that. Hey, because you like this, you probably like this. This is just based on what you've been watching, right? And also allowed you to store, record and store on a hard drive as opposed to videotape. Or Betamax. Yeah. The big thing was having an auto record that stuff. So TiVo effectively eliminated appointment television. Yes. If you wanted to watch your favorite show and it was on Tuesday night, you had to be there Tuesday night or mm-hmm. you were going to miss it. And now TiVo's like, no, we got that for you. And if the show changed, right, if it went from Tuesday night to Thursday night, TiVo doesn't care. Like it's not set up at Tuesday, double, it's following the show. Wherever the show goes, that's where it goes. Change the world. <laughs> They're broke. I mean, Never Tivo mind. doesn't make money. They they marketed it wrong. As much as it's ubiquitous, as much as every cable company has that technology in their boxes now, and a lot of them like we're working with Tivo. I know this for a fact. They were they were it was Tivo technology inside there. Mm. The, the commercial deals made and stuff like that. Tivo still isn't making any money because they didn't get it into the mind of the consumer quickly enough. They tried to market it the wrong way. They really believed that because it was such a cool technology that everybody would just jump on it.
1: So build it and they will come.
0: Right. Build it and they will come. So they spent way too much money, way too soon. They were trying to get the early majority to hop on board before, and they were spending money to reach their early majority, which is super expensive, mm-hmm. right? Before they got the pioneers on board and before they got the early adopters on board. And that's there it is here's a situation where that they were right the technology was everybody freaking needed it and everybody now has it yeah for the most part but yet why why are they broke why are they the broke musician i mean it's it's absolutely insane but that's what happens because they weren't thinking about it the right way same thing with music even in the old music industry where it radio was so powerful it could make, it would launch a career. You one hit single and you were launched off and you could get into, if you played your cards right, you could have, you could be the Stones, you could be the Beatles, you could be Mm. a 50 year career. It it didn't happen with one song. Right. Most people don't know that the first Beatles record was all covers. First two Stones records, all covers except for three songs. First Led Zeppelin record, all covers. That just got them on the radio and got people used to the brand name and everything. Then they came out with the next record right? Mm -hmm. That kind of took off. What's the norm? It's three records. Was the normal, you would get a record deal. It was really expensive to do this for yourself. It was cost prohibitive. You couldn't Mm -hmm. make a 150 or $250,000 record. And then you certainly couldn't afford $2 million to promote it or you had it on the radio. So there wasn't social media. What are you going to do Just go door to door? You know, it, It doesn't work that way. So you have to, art doesn't create value until enough people value it and then it creates then people are, see the crowd and they're like what's everybody what is this all about oh yeah. okay that's kind of cool so most artists and there's of course there's exceptions to the rule but if you try to define this or pick apart this conversation that we're having right now based on the exception to the rule you're doing yourself a disservice because it's the exception to the rule it's like it's like winning the lottery that's the exception of the rule the rule is you just pay you don't win Right. Right? And, or, or if you do win, you don't win enough to make back the money that you paid in. It's a losing battle. It's a tax for people that are bad at math. Exactly. Yeah. But some people win and, Mm -hmm. and that's that. Well, some people are guns and roses and the first record sells 30 million copies, but that is almost never the case. It is usually, it's a brand building thing. And the first record you're in debt, and that's with the company record label spending a couple million bucks on you. The yeah. second record, you barely break even on. On the second record itself. On the, on the second like record to the first itself. Record. Exactly. Okay. And then the third record is the big money maker. The third record was Born to Run from Bruce Springsteen. The third record was Slippery and Wet from Bon Jovi. The third record was Pyromania from Def Leppard. The third record, I mean, on and on and on. We can go down the list and you'll see how much how amazing that is like how on point that that is so why because the, the they build up a little audience on that first record but it's not enough to pay back what it costs to get that audience right mm-hmm. but now you're going to carry that audience over into the next record mm-hmm. and so there's a few more people talking about it, and then it sort of hits a critical mass on the third record where that the the core of followers for that artist is big enough that now it's cool to like Bruce Springsteen or it's yeah. cool to like Bon Jovi or to like Dev Leppard or to like whoever and then it takes on a life of its own and it does really well I just wanted to touch on that 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 is the way that marketing art happens mm-hmm. it's it, it just you don't put out like one song and make make your money back yeah so But you could do that with a trucking company if you're smart. You can do that with a lemonade stand. You can do that with certain, if you wanted to sell hammers. Like there's ways that you can make money and become profitable right away in different businesses, but that's just not what this business is. So you've got to stop comparing apples and oranges. Yeah, And, and I look
1: at, you know, is the new music business really anything new? And the way I look at it is, you know, he said, hey, it's still the risk of the artist and it's all about profitability. And I'd say in general, yeah. Yeah, it's still, especially as an independent artist, you're still carrying the risk and it's still about becoming profitable. That has not changed. But the tactics and how you get from A to B has changed because of the digital world that we live in. So instead of it's all about getting on the radio and millions of dollars and that stuff, or we're just hoofing it from town to town to town, we can never come off the road, stapling flyers to utility poles in the entertainment district of the town, we hope people show up. Now we have a holy different set of tactics for that yeah you're still on the road and you're still doing some of the other stuff but now the whole digital stuff is opened up so the goal hasn't changed profitability building your fan base but how you go there has changed dramatically and if you're still living by the old rules it's completely inefficient and you're going to get whooped by people that are following the new reality and so in a way i'd say yes and that's why i say yes and no on is the new music business really new it's still about reaching your fans, getting new, like you'd say, Johnny, new music. Well, it's still, produced, a, business. It's still a business. It's still a business. It's still a business. It's still about reaching profitability, but the tactics have changed. It's not about who's got the best art. Right.
0: It's not. I was not, it's not, it's not It's not It's <laughs> not.
1: I was listening to a podcast the other day. I can't remember which one it was, but they were interviewing this guy. He wrote the formula, the universal laws of success, and his name, some like French name or something. Let's see. Albert. Laszlo Barbasi. Anyway, there's some interesting stuff in there, and, and some of it definitely applies to art and artists like us. He talks about if it's like the NFL where you know you have measurables and this guy is demonstrably faster than the other guy, this guy is demonstrably stronger, that can lead to success, right? Mm-hmm. It's, you can measure it, and at least this race car driver drives faster, this car is faster, whatever. You can measure this stuff, and that leads to greater success. The salesperson sells more money, coming in bottom line. With art, it's so you can't measure quality of that, right? It's you can't really measure that. So somebody, two new artists put out new records. It's a lot harder to measure quality. How do you do that? In that sense, in those cases, what makes a difference to success is relationships. And so what you talked about earlier, we all know these artists that we don't respect. We're like, what is that mess? And why is it so popular? Well, you know, they built the relationships. Yeah. I mean, I know there are a lot of country artists, some new country artists that have come up and they've come up grassroots and they built their fan base. And now they're on the radio and they're blowing up. And you're like, I don't quite get it. Why is that good? Because you know people that you think are better that can't get arrested. Mm -hmm. But it's because you've just been in a writer's room with them instead of, you know, them being on the road and building their fan base, like, oh, well, when it's hard to measure the subjective, the objective quality of the music, what's going to make the difference?
0: Their relationships.
1: Yeah. Meaning relationships in the business, but also your relationships with your fans.
0: I think the art at an amateur level is for the most part, it's, it's objective up until the point that it gets competitive. Once it gets yeah. competitive, it turns subjective, right? Yeah. But before that, it's objective. Like, this isn't good. Like, this yeah, recording you know, isn't go. good. This song isn't good. This, this No, no, no. And then all of a sudden, yeah. once, you, once you figure out how it works and you know how to do it. And by the way, I've heard Ryan Boyce's music, and I want to give him a shout out. Like, I'm a genuine fan. Of his music. He's got this cool dark indie thing. Imagine it's a little dark, right? A little oh, yeah. huh. And it's an indie thing that's going on. That's really compelling. It is. The only thing standing between him and a bigger audience is some money to put behind it. And he's going to need some money Small to get money. In front of, yeah. a of new eyeballs. It still takes money, right? But the difference is here's the thing back in the day, with, with the old record business, all those remember we had all those major labels and they're giving out advances and you get publishing advances and everybody's making money. It's a $75 billion a year industry. 95% of the artists who had record deals didn't make money. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they sucked. No. no, they they had to be really good to get on that label to begin with because they didn't have an audience, but it's not, they didn't have an audience, not because they weren 't nobody was turned on to them mm-hmm. in a sense that they nobody liked them because their art just didn 't catch on or whatever they didn 't have an audience because they didn 't get on the radio yeah for the most part that was the delivery mechanism for the drug of choice that we call music that 's how the new music got put into the mind of the consumer, and it's it was mathematically restrictive, so only five percent of the artists made any money, but they made it was radio was so powerful that they made so much money, it covered for the losses of 95% of the other artists. So in a lot of ways, it's, it's so much more powerful now for the artist because the gods had to look your way. The record label heads and the heads of radio had to nod at you and say, yes, you're going to be the next one. Okay, because there's all this competitive art that's already signed to the label, but we're going to pick you to squeeze through and get on the radio. And now you're going to be put in front of new eyeballs and your audience is going to grow and you had to play by their rules Mm -hmm. and it wasn't trackable digitally right i mean artists like colin ray sold eight million records never recouped kind Mm -hmm. of bs is that you know so it was able to be real shady why because it was able to be shady sunlight is the best antiseptic you know what digital is the biggest freaking sun (laughs) of the planet. It, right. It, it's going to even, it is, it is evening the playing field. When we had 42% increase in streams on Spotify last year in the United States, that it was all from indie artists. Wow. this is These are guys who don't have record labels. They're not on the radio. We're talking about billions of dollars in revenue that they're yeah. generating. Why? Because people know about them. Mm-hmm. And they're creating traffic. So in the old record business, you had to play by their rules. Mm-hmm. You had to, there was no way to, to to audit. I mean, you could audit, but it's going to cost you more money to audit the books. To it, You're just going to yeah. create a fight with your life. It just, you just took it and they screwed you. They did. They, I mean, I remember Twinkle was on Warner Brothers Records and our manager, Barbara Stress, who we've interviewed on this podcast when I was an artist, was also her manager. She was invited to go to the Montreux Jazz Festival, amazing singer, the best singer I've ever heard in my life, straight up, best singer I've ever heard in my life. The label's like, yeah, we got your tickets for you, it's all good, we'll we'll take care of that. And Barbara just thought to ask, like, what are the the tickets cost? Because it's your money they're spending, right? And, and it's 3,000 bucks a piece. They're first class, of course. Oh, of course. So she calls, now this is, by the way, before Expedia, before Kayak, before you can do business online and get your own tickets. She just called her local faded map dot travel agent in Sarasota, Florida and said, hey, if I want two first class tickets to Montro at this day and coming back on this day, what's that going to cost? And they're like, those are fifteen hundred bucks a piece. So that's the way the labels would do it. Every single service you had, whether it was the limo service picking you from the airport, the mm-hmm. travel, the whatever, it was doubled or tripled. That's what they would charge you. And then they were they would throw that weight around to different travel agencies and limo services and recording studios and promo companies and PR companies and all this stuff. And they had they were able to wield that power because nobody you couldn't tell. You didn't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Now you do. And now there's companies like I was just reading this in Music Business Worldwide, Beggars Group is one of they're an independent label. They are like my vision for what I want their devil to be, right? But much bigger than me (laughs) (laughs) by a billion times. But they, I mean, they were so big as an indie label that they were actually offered stock options by Spotify. Hmm. And they cashed in their stock options and made a boatload of money on them, just like the the major labels did when Spotify went public. Mm -hmm. And the story that just came out was that they gave 44% of that revenue, that windfall that they got from Mm -hmm. selling the stock. They, they distributed it amongst their artists in cash. Nice. Like there was a little bit of recoup, but mostly in cash. Like, hey, we got lucky, you get lucky, here you go. And everything is transparent with the artist. So as a label in that position, should they upcharge on services? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Because they gotta it, pay somebody's time to go find those plane tickets to do what they got to pay. Somebody.
0: That's right. So they're not only are they making money like, on the sales of your product and stuff like that, but they're also making money on the administration of the whole thing, whether it comes from booking plane tickets, a travel agency, or a PR company, or Barfrog. We work very closely with Randy at Barfrog. Well, we have so many artists that need PR. We've got a PR company. We get that PR company probably for less than half mm-hmm. of, what, of what you're going to pay for it, right? Maybe it's like a third of what you would pay as an individual person. Because we have a big stinky check that goes to them every single, every single month. Leverage. Yeah, it's kind of leverage, deal, right? Yeah. And, it's you, get, and you, you get a better. It's like it's like if you buy five hundred CDs, you get this price whenever you go like to disc makers or whatever. You buy a thousand, you get them for cheaper. <laughs> <Right>. Well, it's <laughs> you know, like I just started
1: opening up a coaching subscription, and so you know you can get a one-off coaching session with me for X amount of dollars at songwritingpro dot com slash coaching, and okay let's get some more predictability some more relationship long-term coaching instead of just a consultation let's get some like ongoing coaching i can actually serve my people better if we have an ongoing thing let's do a subscription saves you money but it also it gives me that predictability so it's worth it like for me so the, the economy is a scale going i'm gonna cut you a deal because i know it's coming in every month and it's gonna allow me to actually serve you better oh yeah but you get a
0: break on it there you go yeah. It's like going to Costco as opposed to going to the gas station, a gallon of milk. You're exactly. Gonna pay less. Yeah. <laughs> so those labels like, like beggars, like and this, I promise you, Daredevil's going to do this. They're going to make some money on that. You're going to pay, you're still going to be charged less for yeah. PR overall, like dramatically less than what you have to pay. If you did it on your own, so the margin in there that they're going to make it, you, they're not charging you what they're getting charged. They're mm-hmm. going to bump it up a little bit and that's okay. But the thing is, You don't need anybody's permission anymore. There are artists like Cody Johnson, like Carmen, like Noah Guthrie, Mm -hmm. like Granger Smith, like Macklemore and Ryan Lewis that have created this world for themselves because they found their audience first. Mm -hmm. Even Bad Baby got an audience. Like, it was the creepiest, weirdest way. And (laughs) the bottom line was she gets a record deal because she's got an audience. And she didn't need to talk to anybody about that. Isn't Lil Nas X independent yes and and he so he broke on tiktok and he's got he just broke records with mm-hmm. the, did Old you read Town Road. yeah with no because it's been number one for longer than any other mm-hmm. song ever i think yeah and by the way they keep doing new collaborations with it right it yeah, started exactly. with iris and he just keeps spinning that oh this is the most genius thing ever right yeah my little seven-year-old nephews with me this weekend that's his favorite song Mm-hmm. You know, and he's gonna ride until I can't ride no more. Oh now he's just he's just jamming out to it, loves it. Yeah. We just started working with the Nash Villains, a killer, brand new, like super group, like all pro guys. That's got the singer Troy Johnson, who actually is the the demo singer for our intro song.
1: Yeah. Who's next? Yeah. He sings the demo, the demo on that. The
0: demo. Yeah. So this guy's been around for a long time. Brett Boyette, a good friend of mine. Like this, this band rock, Scott Lindsay, they're all just amazing songwriters. They got a killer thing going on. I'm like, you guys need to do old town road. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Why shouldn't you have your version of this? Cause they, they know exactly how to put their artistic fingerprint. On- oh yeah. Thing. They did a killer version. I didn't do a cover version. Of, I didn't do a cover. They chose Kerosene by Miranda Lambert. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and they're Dark Country. It sounds Dark Country. It sounds like yeah. it was their song the whole time. Like that's, yeah. So you can do these kinds of things and create your own audience, and then they'll come to you. But you've, you've got to understand that it's not the quality of the art that creates the crowd. Mm-hmm. it's not like you don't have uh, there's not any foot traffic there you even in the old days it was the same thing the ra- record label would drop five hundred thousand dollars and put you on the radio and that put the art and the artist in front of new eyeballs they had never heard you before it's your mm-hmm. debut single now a whole bunch of people heard you and how did it how did it work think about how radio is consumed right Nobody ever woke up in the morning and said, I wonder what brand new artist I'm going to discover today on the radio that I've never heard of. And I'm going to fall in love with them and they're going to become the soundtrack of my youth. Right. No, they turned on the radio back when there was only two choices to listen to music. You listen to what you own. Or you listen to the radio. Right. They turn on the radio and hear one thing. What was it?
1: Whatever's playing
0: right then. Well, what do they want to hear? Oh, yeah, they want to hear their jam. They're a jam. Right. They want to hear what they know already. And, and that's even if somebody that... wanted to go discover
1: something new and by turning on the radio, they still were at the mercy of radio to eventually get around to something new.
0: And that's the way it worked. And when the big iconic artist came out with their brand new single, everybody wants to hear that. Remember how the radio used to do? Hey, every hour on the hour, we got the new Reba song right mm-hmm. here. Because you, you couldn't get it anywhere else, right? The record's right. not for sale yet. They're heating up the record. Right. They're going to heat up the sales on that by making you want it really bad. And you have to only hear it on the radio. But while they're playing that every hour, they're sliding in these new cats like Tim McGraw. Mm-hmm. You never heard of him. And you didn't even know it was happening. And then by the seventh time, seventh time you heard it, you're like, who is this? I like this song. And yeah. you know, oh, this is cool. Who's that? Oh, okay. And that was the way that radio worked. It wasn't, nobody was looking for good new music. They were looking for what they already knew was good, what they already liked. So you have to understand the psychology of the consumer to make this new music business work for you. And when you do, amazing things will happen. I mean, we have tripled. Jacob K just came out with a brand new single on July 12th in a brand new project, right? The Broken, B, the BRKN, if you guys want to check it out. Mm-hmm. Jacob K's been with us for a while. This is a band thing he's got going on. It's super cool. It's pop punk. I mean, already, I think we got like 16, 18,000 streams in two weeks. On, on Spotify alone, but what we're, put, we're getting we 're promoting it we 're getting it on playlists we 're getting it on getting it in different places and putting it in front of new eyeballs we 're doing digital marketing with it, so you all know the stories about Planet X tour and the thing down in in Scottsdale Well, all that money that we spent to promote those shows and to m- promote different do digital advertising for different things the, that's, that' has data on it. those are people that we know know him mm-hmm. right. And so we got to get the music video up now. He's got a music video out that's really cool. And we tripled the the numbers on that already. Not a lie, we're up to like 750 or something like that, or 800. Uh, but this is, it just came out a week ago, and we're watching the numbers move every single hour on the hour. Why? Because we're paying to get it in front of new people. And, mm-hmm. and I just started a campaign on a warm audience, on people that have already interacted with him. He's got, every time you create an event on Facebook, you can create an audience from the people that, that did that event. Mm-hmm. So, Remember I told you he opened up for Steel Panther? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that event, like we had that on his Facebook page, that event, got like, like 3,700 freaking people visited that event because it was mm-hmm. Steel Panther and he was opening yeah. up for them. We get to tap into that. They saw him at the show and mm-hmm. they bought tickets. So now we know who they are and now we can put this new video in their feed Mm-hmm. And they're already familiar with him. Like, I saw that okay. guy. This is cool. And then they're going to like it or not, but it's warm, right? It's not, we get to, so we get to build from that, but it's, is it cost money? Yeah. You still got to do it. Yeah. You know? And you got to understand how that works. I'm mean, going to have to spend a lot of money learning how Facebook work. It's not a boost. Boosting is not what we're talking about here, people. Yeah. That's, that's, that's like nowhere near, that's like 3% that's ki- of the power of. Yeah. The, that's kindergarten. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like the lottery, right? Because, I mean, w- when you, like, for instance, if you were going to boost, let's say you live in Pennsylvania and you wanted to boost a show and you targeted everybody in Pennsylvania. Well, with, just as an example, if you boost it, it's targeting people who live in Pennsylvania, people who are going to visit Pennsylvania, and people who have visited Pennsylvania. <laughs> like, as opposed to Pittsburgh and the people yeah. who live in Pittsburgh who like this kind of, you know what I mean? Like, the targeting... Yeah. It may seem like something really cool to you. It's, it's kindergarten. It is not yeah. pro stuff. But the power there is this is how you do it and just keep growing the audience, growing the streams. And here's another example, the guy that we're using for the streams. The, the record drops on the 12th. It's our job to try to do as much as we can and his job to try to get him on the, the smaller playlists as many of them. We're like on 90 playlists right now mm-hmm. okay, for, and we're doing the digital marketing. We're trying to push people to Spotify. We're trying, we're trying all this stuff to, to heat it up. The more streams that you get in that first month, it takes a month to develop before he can go try to pitch it to the bigger playlists. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. They don't need you. They're not here to help you. Of course not right? They're here. Like, can we help each other? Yeah. You got a big audience. Does this look like it's heating up? Does it look like some people care about this? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well then I'll put it on this bigger list here where, you know, instead of 67,000, like the biggest playlist we have now has got 67,000 followers or whatever. Hmm. Then you're getting into the 500,000 million, those bigger playlists. It's, but we got to build that audience first. We still got to earn our way into that, even though we got a guy that's promoting it. Like that's the deal. Yeah. So I got two ways I can look at that, right? I can be like, oh, well, whatever, we're paying you this money. and You should just get us on that list, dude. Right? Or I can understand how the game is played mm-hmm. and do everything that I can to try to give him what he needs to get us on that list. Right? Yeah. So there's the difference, guys. I think when you look at this independent record label like, like Beggars Group, and when you look at all these artists that have signed major label deals based on... What they've done is an independent artist and they didn't need anybody's permission and they got what they wanted, how they wanted it. They're not, they don't have their hat in their hand. They don't have anybody tell them how to make their art. They're going to do what they want to do, how they want to do it. And, and it's going to be fine. That is better for the artist. And you got to do the work up front. You got to, you got to pay for it. Or you got to do it in blood, sweat and tears. Mm-hmm. And usually both. But bottom line is, remember this in the old record business, the ratio was nine to one. Nine times the amount of money, nine times the amount of energy and human resources were spent promoting the product. You know, 10% of the energy and human resources were spent making the product. (laughs) Yeah. And it's the same formula. Posting on Instagram and Facebook is not getting you in front of new eyeballs. Uploading your single to Spotify, not getting you in front of new eyeballs. Putting your video up on YouTube, not getting you in front of new eyeballs. You're there, you can be found. Mm-hmm. they're not looking for you right so you gotta ryan you gotta bring that business mind that you have that i know is sharp and apply it to this but understand the game understand the product It's a different product it's not it's not a service it's not something that you know somebody needs it's not something that they know they need mm-hmm. and and you gotta find different ways to get in the minds. it's way better and the artists here's the final thing i'll say and then we'll wrap this thing because i know we're running long but why do the artists have the power why is it so much better for the artists now? You said you didn't see this. You want us to change your mind. Here it is. Spotify is now the ubiquitous thing, right? That is the benchmark that the labels look at. They, that, do they care what happens on Apple Music or on Amazon? Yeah, of course they do. But really, they're looking at Spotify, okay? Those are the numbers that they're looking at. That's like the benchmark that they chose. And to be fair, it's a different, it's a different service, right? It's a streaming service, but it's much more interactive, than those other services where you can just find the music and stream it. The playlist can be shared. There's a much more of a culture happening on Spotify than the other two platforms. So Spotify is still bottom line an online business. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no, they're not a store that's cleverly sandwiched in between two other stores that are really super popular. Yeah. Right. That where you walk in there and then you're just going to inevitably stumble into this store on a street down on Broadway on Nashville or wherever you're from. They're an online business. I don't care what you're selling. If it's music, hammers, if it's porn, if it's, you know, t-shirts, if you have an online company, you absolutely have to have one thing to survive and ultimately to thrive. And what's that one thing that you must have? Brent? Audience. Yeah. Traffic. Traffic. Right? Traffic. So who goes to Spotify for Spotify? Nobody. Nobody like a, you would say, m- mama yeah um, you're you're going but. you're going to spotify to hear the music and spotify doesn't own the rights to the music the artists mm-hmm. do or the labels do so you're creating the traffic that makes this engine work and they understand that
1: mm-hmm.
0: not as good as they need to yet because it hasn't matured yet i mean spotify what was the article we were talking about just came out with a they have like 108 or something million subscribers now? 108 million monthly subscribers now. Yeah. Out of 7 billion people. So just to give you some perspective, I just heard the, the, the data on social media. Social media is now actively used by 3.5 billion people on the planet. Wow. That's half. Half, half yeah. planet Earth is on and regularly uses social media. Mm-hmm. Not, not just as a platform. They're on it all the time. Okay, so there's your idea of the universe that you could get to Spotify got one hundred and (laughs) eight million subscribers. You know what I mean? So this is not Brent and I were talking about this before the the show started. This is nowhere near a mature market yet. It's still brand new at one hundred and eight million. So all that's going to all that's going to shake out. But guys, we're the ones creating the traffic. It doesn't work without the traffic. Okay? OK, and you can say, well, I go there for playlists and to learn new music." new well, everything that you do on Spotify has something to do with music right. as a consumer and and they don't own it. They just own the player. Mm-hmm. So that's the power right there, because you can go anywhere. You don't need to be distributed in a certain place. Like we get that question a lot. Like, what if I do the wrong subgenre when I upload to DistroKid or to, to CD Baby or to TuneCore? Like, is that going to affect myself? No, man, it doesn't matter. Like, just get the right genre, and it's not going to generate traffic for you. It's just going to put you, make you findable. But they're not going to want to find you by the subgenre. They're going to want to find you. Exactly, (laughs) yeah. Because they heard about you. So there it is, guys. That's it. I hope this is bringing some perspective into it. And thank you, Ryan, for sending that email. I wish you the best, man. um, Like, you really do have some killer music. And- you need to put the money behind it, and you'll grow an audience. that That's just the long and the short of it. Uh, it it's just enough people need to, to hear it, and, and then it needs to keep moving. So with that, join the client community, subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating and review, and tell somebody if you loved a certain episode. Put it on your social media. Let them know this podcast exists because we want you to win, so keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top.